Amazing they still keep that without editing it out. It goes like this. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Amen? It is a beautiful day. And the reason there is great joy at the birth of the Savior is is that God has come to redeem sinful man. He's made redemption possible And He sent forth into humanity His only beloved Son. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. That is Mary. And then this Christ, this Savior, this Messiah, He lived a perfect, sinless life being the Son of God for about 33 years. And uh, then He gave Himself. He gave Himself to die on a cross, to suffer the punishment of for the sins of those who haven't lived a perfect sinless life. He was our substitute. And that holy day we call Good Friday, and of course His resurrection that comes three days later on Sunday. The writer of Hebrews opens his letter with these words, God, after He long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions, in many ways, He spoke to them. And in these last days He has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom He also made the world. And He, meaning Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His nature and upholds all things by the word of His power. When He, meaning Jesus, had made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Christ came down to make purification for our sins that first Christmas. It was the purpose for which He was born. Yet in the Christmas account found in Matthew chapter 1, a parallel account to what Sam read earlier, we observe that Joseph, Mary's husband, he had become very troubled. He was troubled because he had a betrothed wife. That means they were engaged and she was already with child. He didn't understand how could this have happened. He had misunderstood how she became pregnant. But in verse 19, an angel appears to Joseph and he sets the record straight. He brings clarity. There we read, And Joseph, Mary's husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace Mary, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. The baby Jesus entered the world to become God with us. As one person of the Trinitarian Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ was God manifest in human flesh. That is who He was. We refer to this event as the incarnation of Christ when God became man and dwelt among us. 
There never was before and never will be again any event like this. Jesus is unique. There's no other Savior. In Acts 4, verse 12, the Apostle Peter declares, saying, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Christ is the Savior of the world. That is the reason that we celebrate His birth on Christmas. And salvation was made possible through the birth of Christ. We worship Him. And Scripture says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans 10.9. And though many here, many of us, have trusted that Jesus was born a Savior, we realize tonight that we've been singing a lot of songs about a king, right? How does that come into play? How is He king? Few realize that Jesus was also actually born a king. You might ask, well, how is that? You know, wasn't Joseph, his legal father on earth, Mary's husband, wasn't he just a carpenter? Just a carpenter. That's correct, he was just a carpenter. And in fact, Jesus' humble beginnings even caused Israel to take offense at him. They didn't want to hear from a carpenter. Even in his hometown of Nazareth, they said about Jesus, Is this not the carpenter's son? You know, believe it or not, back in Jesus' day, people really were impressed with celebrities. I know that might come as a surprise to you. But if you had had arisen in society, or you had become a ruler, or a celebrity of some nature, a, a popular figure, a king, you know, people, they'd listen to you then. They weren't real interested in hearing from a carpenter's son. Kind of the same way today, you know, people highly value what they hear on TV or on the radio from all kinds of diverse sources on a news program, but rarely do they want to go to God's Word or go to church to hear the Scriptures read to learn about God, to learn about His Son, Jesus Christ, and what they have actually said. We live in a day like Jesus lived. And when the people in that small town of Nazareth When they were looking at Jesus, they actually overlooked something very special. They not only had a Savior available to them, they had a genuine king living in their midst. A real bona fide king. Jesus was born king of Israel. And and this is what we discover in the opening verses of the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1. If you go there and look, there is a genealogy, a lineage of Christ, who his ancestors were. And the, the Israelites, they were very meticulous about this. Being a, what they called a theocracy that, that was ruled uh, in accord with a religion, it was very important for the, the lands that they were born in, the tribes that they were born into, the 12 tribes of Israel, the properties that they owned, and, and the way that their government functioned, it was very essential to know what tribe you came from and what your lineage was. Nearly all Israelite males maintained a very detailed lineage. Much further back than any of us do today. You know, I can go back three or four generations, and then I kind of hear about where we came from overseas. No, they kept very detailed records. And this is one reason when the decree came from Caesar Augustus for a census, that Joseph took his wife Mary, and they went back to Judah. 
They went to Bethlehem, the town there. Because Jesus' legal father, Joseph, he was of the tribe of Judah. That is what his origin was. And we find in the genealogy recorded by Matthew that his father Joseph wasn't simply a descendant of Judah. He was a kingly descendant. That's a fact. His direct ancestors included Josiah, Hezekiah, Solomon, and even King David. It was a kingly descent. In fact, if you follow the detailed lineage, you'll discover that Joseph actually should have been sitting on the throne of David while he lived on earth rather than being a carpenter. It'd be safe to say, actually, that every time that Joseph traveled to Jerusalem for a feast or for any type of business, even while passing by the city, traveling by Bethlehem with Mary going down to, uh, going past Jerusalem to Bethlehem, It is very possible that he could have seen the tops of the king's palace. And as he would do that, Joseph could say to himself, I should have been there. I should have been the one in that palace. Joseph's oldest legal son named Jesus was the heir to that throne. He was the king of Israel. And that's what the genealogy of Matthew demonstrates. Jesus' ancestry is Davidic. It's the lineage of a king. And you might ask, well, are you sure about that? Are you sure? Maybe that's just the apostles' take on things. You might be thinking to yourself. No, it's not actually just the opinion of the apostles. The fact was so legitimate that news of a Messiah being born, a king being born... That news came to the Jews and it struck fear into Herod the Great because he was the king who was sitting on that throne. And we read in Matthew chapter 2 that these guys named the Magi, remember them? Astrologers, sometimes they're referred to as magicians. The Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. And verse 3 tells us, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. So he gathered together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, and he inquired of them, where's the Messiah to be born? They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And then that quote that Pastor Weiler just quoted us from Micah. They told Herod the Great, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The real ruler was going to come from Bethlehem. And Herod himself, he knew he had no rightful claim to that throne. He wasn't a descendant of Judah. He was a descendant of Esau, Jacob's brother. He was an Edomite. It was actually the Roman government who had placed King Herod on the throne, not God. They provided him with the title that he went by, King of Judea. Herod, him being disturbed, he sent the Magi on to Bethlehem. You probably heard the story. He said, go and search carefully for this child. 
And when you found him, report to me so that I too may come and worship him. Is that what he's planning on doing? No. No. And of course, we know that Herod wanted to um, eliminate any competition. He was a very paranoid king. And, and when the Magi were warned not to go back and to tell Herod anything, don't give him any information, Herod set out to kill all male children under two years old in Bethlehem and that entire surrounding region. He was so convinced there was a legitimate king, he was going to do whatever he could to eliminate it. It's also interesting that although Jesus never asserted his position as king on the throne, king of Israel, the truth finally did come out in the very end. Upon his testimony in front of Pontius Pilate, We're told in John 18 that Pilate summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? That's Pilate now, asking Jesus. Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative? Or did others tell you about me? You get that? That's an intriguing response from Christ. Jesus knew Pilate wouldn't have just come up with this on his own. Pilate was a Roman governor. Wasn't real concerned about a carpenter from Galilee. No, uh, he's, Jesus asked, did others tell you about me? And we can be suspicious that during Jesus' trials, you know, we, we would suspect that a governor sitting as a type of judge, being Pilate, that he probably did some asking around, probably did some investigation, while all the shenanigans were going on with the priests. And he found out who this Jesus was. And Pilate's own conclusion from the evidence is stunning. Get this. Pilate first responded to Jesus by by asserting ignorance. Isn't that what a lot of people want to proclaim nowadays? Well, well, you know, I I just don't know a lot about that Jesus stuff. I don't really know. Claiming innocence just because they, they, they aren't asserting knowledge. And he says to Jesus, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and your chief priests delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. We have no indication with Pilate in Scripture. Whether he ever came to believe any truth about Christ, about him being the Son of God, born of a virgin, the true Christ and Messiah of Israel. But Pilate did arrive at another conclusion based on the evidence that he found as to the identity of Jesus. When they crucified Christ, Pilate himself wrote an inscription And he had his soldiers attach it on the cross above Jesus' head. This is recorded in John 19 if you'd like to look at it. And we are told that that Pilate had it written in three languages, Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. And it said this, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. 
That is who he was. Even the inscription brought protest. The chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews. But that he said, that just that he said, I'm king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. He had come to the conclusion of who Christ was. And he was to be the true king of Israel. With all that political turbulence at the time, very unlikely that a governor like Pilate would have publicly crucified a man. Uh, um, on, during the week of the Passover, on a cross, without at least doing some di- due diligence beforehand to find out who this man was. You aren't just going to throw someone up on a cross and then answer for it a week later. He had done his research and he determined that Christ truly was born King of the Jews. So the question I have this Christmas is we go home and we celebrate, we open gifts, we enjoy family, we enjoy the holiday tomorrow, we enjoy church again tomorrow morning. This Christmas, have you come to realize that Jesus is the King of the Jews? Let's pray. Dear Father, as we do celebrate the birth of a Savior and the birth of a King, Lord, we pray here together that You will work among all of us here, Lord, that we would come to a true intimate knowledge of the identity of Christ, that that He wasn't just another public figure, another wise teacher, but that He was truly Your blessed Son. And Lord, we pray that our lives would continue to um, grow in knowledge of Jesus, Lord, through Your Holy Word, that we would live lives that are in honor of Him. Lord, we pray that each person here will be ready when Christ returns to gather together His kingdom that He said was not of this realm. Yet, Lord, He is coming. Scripture has promised. And when He returns, we pray that everyone here will be ready. Lord, I pray that you bless every family here, everyone that's come together, their families, and uh, Lord, in the new year as well, and uh, that you encourage them, strengthen them in knowledge, strengthen them in hope, help them with their struggles, as many of us have had this holiday season, Lord. And uh, for those that are ill, for those who are sick, those who weren't able to be with us, Lord, those who are poor, Lord, those who are without hope, we pray that we will be your hands and your feet to reach out to them about the truth of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this evening. In Christ's holy, exalted name we pray. Amen. Well, tonight we talked about briefly about the lineage of a king. Tomorrow in Christmas service we're going to talk about the lineage of a Savior and what that means. Merry Christmas.